0: All right, everybody. Hello, hello out there in my Facebook land. And if you're listening to this later in my podcast land, I'm Dan Whedon. Welcome to another great edition of Unleashed the Podcast. Since I'm live streaming, that's your cue that I have a terrific guest today that I'm going to introduce you to in just a minute. Uh, For everybody else, here's what you need to know about Unleashed the Podcast. We are percolating with great new episodes, great guests. The best way to never miss any of that is to subscribe to the podcast in one of your favorite places. We've got Spotify. We've got Stitcher. We've got Google Podcasts. We've got iTunes. We've even got Amazon Music. So go to one of those places, subscribe, and I know you're watching this live, so you're already a member of my Facebook page, but if you're watching this later at some point, please find our free public group on Facebook under Unleashed the Podcast. You'll never miss anything, and you're not, you're not going to want to, because you're going to want to hear fascinating people like Hugh Blaine. And Hugh Blaine, Hugh, are you there, Fascinating. Buddy? Yeah, man. Fascinating. That's me. That's you. how people describe me. That's how they introduce me. You've been called a lot of things. Today, you're being called fascinating. (laughs) Let me tell everybody about my good friend, Hugh Blaine. Uh, Hugh is uh, somebody I met as part of a group that we're in, a consulting community. Uh, Mm. I think we met somewhere else. Turned out we found out we were neighbors living in in the Seattle area. We've been Mm -hmm. friends for probably about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Hugh is an expert on leadership. He's an expert and I've watched his consulting practice evolve over the last several years. And what he does when he talks about leadership is really important. And I think as we head into 2021, coming out of it, just a crazy year, leadership becomes even more important. So Mm -hmm. Hugh, welcome, welcome, welcome to Unleash the Podcast.
1: I am so pumped about being unleashed. I'm going to be unleashed.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> you and Captain Jack, right? <laughs> right. So listen, Hugh, before we dive into the article that you wrote, and I will make this article as best I can available on mm-hmm. the website mm-hmm. and on my blog, any place so people can read this. I've spoken to many people of, of who are experts, who are consultants, who are mm-hmm. uh, CEOs. Everybody seems to have a slightly different uh, vision or definition, let's say, of leadership. Right. Why don't we start out with that, Hugh Blaine? What is your definition mm. of leadership?
1: You know, it's interesting because I'm going to say, rather than what is it, what does it do? Right. So, what's the outcome of leadership? Because we all too often think about leadership from the standpoint of it's an it's a verb, it's an action. This is what you do as opposed to what is it actually accomplished? And here's what I think leadership does. Leadership is supposed to inspire greatness in someone so that they will then go inspire greatness in others. So my definition is leadership is about inspiring greatness in others in service of others. That's what my definition is.
0: So in a sense, it really, it's inspirational and you're also making all of those people around you better
1: yeah so if you think about the word inspiration comes from latin which is inspiro, which means to breathe life into something so you know if you think about it inspiration is about breathing life about an idea maybe a dream maybe a hope some sort of aspiration that someone has that the world can be a better place maybe this part of the world can be a better place here in the technology firm in which i work Maybe it's a little bit better place here in the community in which I serve, wherever it may be. How do I make this place a little bit better? And if you think about that, Dan, that means that I'm infusing something into this equation that's going to make all boats rise. And See? I just, and I think we should be inspiring greatness, not average not complacency. I think we should be inspiring greatness.
0: So, you know, it's interesting. My mind, when you, when you were defining that went to, you won't be surprised, went to sports. I, I love sports. And one of the, one of the qualities that I hear of some great players is that you hear, oh, that person makes everybody else around them better. And often it's by maybe their play, but, I start when you start talking it's like there's also inspiration there that that these great athletes through their skill and their inspiration make all those boats around them rise and all of a sudden you've got a good team and it it was through their leadership it, is that a good analogy
1: well it's a good analogy there's a precursor to the analogy though which is that there are some people who are incredibly talented let's go back a few years to 2013, 2015 with the Seahawks. And who is that guy that was had an amazing game in the Super Bowl? Percy Harvin, right? Yeah. Percy Harvin was an exceptionally talented individual who just soiled the ground all around him here at the Seahawks. Right. And that there was actually stories of fisticuffs happening in the locker room because of this guy. So you can be pursuing greatness, but it could be a self-centered greatness. And it is absolutely as to what you're saying is that, am I here to create greatness in others for others? And by extension, can I then become great at what I do?
0: You know, and I, not because I don't want to go down this lane because I want to talk about, but you know what? You talked about the Seahawks Mm -hmm. in 2013, Coach Pete Carroll I think probably meets your definition of inspiring others. So at the end in, in his leadership role, that helped to take Mm. a large diverse group of people onto a Super Bowl championship. Absolutely. I mean, that dude is on fire.
1: (laughs) You know, I mean, he's not lukewarm. No, I was having, I was having a conversation with a client the other day, Dan, and it was interesting. So, you know, it's a 20 person company. They do about $10 million a year. Okay. And so I was just asking them, and I said, you know, so you're you're engaging me as an advisor, and I'm going to be your executive coach. I'm talking to to the president. I said, you're on fire on this business. Just out of curiosity, how many other employees inside your organization are on fire? And we were on Zoom, and I could see him just kind of he dropped his head a little bit, and he was thinking, and his. His eyes all of a sudden went up to the left and so he's accessing his brain and going, how many people are really on fire in my business? And he said, out of 20, two. Wow. And I, and I said, I want you to just think about this. What if it were four? You know, let's just say, because we're not talking, we're just talking about then 25%. What would it be like if it were four or five? And he said, Hugh, it would make a transformational difference. Wow. So I'm, I'm, If you are not, and this is about leadership, if you're not on fire for creating something of value for other people, if you don't really love something, that's really just kind of you're on fire about it, you're not ever going to be, you're not going to achieve greatness. So, and the only reason why people don't do that, Dan, I think, is because they haven't really slowed down to think. What is it that I want to be really great at doing? Yeah. Do I want to be a great husband? Do I want to be a great father? Do I want to be a great business person? What is that thing for you?
0: Because you the can't inspire, you can't inspire if you're not inspired yourself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. the way I
1: said it, you can't give CPR if you're dead.
0: <laughs> so listen, this is a great segue. I am looking at one of your most recent mm. articles, and it's titled how to Build a High-Performance Mindset. So when we're talking about athletes and coaches, we're think, you know, we are think yeah. sometimes of high performance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was the inspiration for you to mm-hmm. write this article and talk a little bit about its content?
1: So what prompted me was that I was listening to the marketplace. And I'll recount a story that I was having a, a conversation with a chief human resources officer in higher education. And so this is a particular, it's a very well-known institution. It's got a great brand, it's got a great reputation. And there was a particular faculty member, professor, who was um, homeschooling kids and both of them were under eight years of age. And they were learning how to go online and do all the teaching online, which was not as prominent as it was pre-pandemic. But I asked, well, how, how are faculty members doing? She said, this one faculty member, recounted the story about the movie uh, where and there was an actor and I'm spacing on his name right now. But he said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And it was in the movie television. It'll come to me. But she said that individual who came to me and said, I'm mad as hell. I'm not taking this anymore because I cannot educate my kids at home. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. And frankly, the word that best describes how I'm feeling right now is broken. Mm. Broken. Wow. And and then I started listening to people. And there was a statistic from 20 years ago that about 22% of Americans 20 years ago had some form of anxiety that was impeding their ability to perform at work. 22%. You know what that number is today? It's 47 to 49%. Wow. So, and it's a tale of two cities, right? I was just talking to a buddy of mine yesterday. There's a small winery in Woodenville, where he is going to be sold out of all of his wine by March of this year because people are not buying wine in restaurants. So his wine club is doing really well. And even more people showed up. And within the last month, he just sold $400,000 of wine. Wow! So he will be out of wine. So here's the thing. He's doing exceptionally well. If you're in technology, you're probably doing pretty well. But 47% of all restaurants that have closed temporarily are closed now permanently. Yeah, And so there are industries that are totally being disrupted. And that means if the industry is being disrupted, that what the business has done is they have then gone into lockdown mode with expenditures. They're not investing in their people. And they're now managing the budget to try and survive. And when that happens, then people's mindset starts to shift. And I said, I can speak to that. And then the reason why I can speak to it is because for the longest period of time, I had a poverty mindset. And I said, if there's anyone who can speak into this, it's probably me. So that's why I wrote the article. And what I was saying in the article is that if you go back to 1946, and there was this guy who holed up in a room and he wrote this book, that ended up selling ten million copies, and right. that book was uh, Victor Frankel's right. book, *Man's Search for Meaning*, and a lot of people have read it, right? And he, in essence, said that you can, you can persevere through any adversity if you have a purpose for your life. And I'm paraphrasing. He believed in this thing called logotherapy, and so I kind of. 20, some 30 years after reading that book, I think that maybe he was also assuaging his guilt because some people said that he cooperated with the Germans, you know, but in essence, the purpose of that book was to say, live your life on purpose. And that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to put into the ecosystem. I wanted to put, I wanted to serve many communities and say, this is how you build a high
0: performance mindset during a pandemic. So before I ask you to give the three recommendations or to to talk briefly about the three recommendations to foster Mm -hmm. during this pandemic, because we ain't done with it. I I don't know if people are noticing we we ain't done with this thing right now. As we talk on, uh, you know, Friday, the 13th, November 13th of 2020, there's there's uh, higher accounts coming and there's things to be changing. Uh, I want you to do me a favor because somebody listening to this may not know what you mean when you say poverty mindset. Could you mm. uh, can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, let me let me make it real world for everybody. Um, so I'm not going to say this to be self referential, but I'm going to say it in the hopes that what people will go as they go. Oh yeah, that's what it means. <laughs> um, my my family, I, I come from an entrepreneurial family. My grandfather was an entrepreneur that started a business by literally taking a four by six wooden wheelbarrow, one of the flat kinds with the big wheels. And he was he was in Scotland and he would load it up with all these materials and he would push it up and down streets in Glasgow, Scotland, and he would sell whatever wares he had. And he was always (laughs) looking at things. What can I sell to make a profit? So he did this and he started like at 14 years of age. And over a period of time, I don't know how long it was, this is a little bit of family folklore, but he then saw a flatbed pickup truck, one of the smaller ones. He said, wait a minute, I bought a pickup truck, I could take more stuff, I could go further, and I could make more money. So somehow or another, he scraped money together, got a pickup truck, and his business grew. And uh, over a period of time, somebody came to him and said, I want to buy your pickup truck, because they saw him being successful. And he said, it's not for sale because he equated the pickup truck with the growth in the business, which was true, right? He had innovated yeah. it in some way. And then said, well, wait a minute, hold on. Here's how much I'm willing to pay you. And he said, you are the proud new owner of a pickup truck because they paid him like two or three times what he paid for the pickup truck. And he said, wait a minute, rather than pushing and delivering stuff, I can actually sell people pickup trucks now because the market's great. So he got into the truck business. Then he got into the car business, then he got into the scrap metal business, then he got into all these other businesses and he then built himself a house eventually that had two billiard tables and 10 of his kids were raised by nannies and they had a silver <laughs> spoon in his mouth. My grandfather was a rags to riches story. Really. All,
0: from, all from that start of that, that pickup truck.
1: Bingo. Now, when I was six years old, my father's business is reversed. And when I was six years old, I remember three men coming to and they knocked on our door and there were three men that were coming to repossess our furniture. And the reason being is because in Scotland at the time when the grandfather, my grandfather, the patriarch died, there's a term called providenture, which means that all the assets went to the eldest son. My father was the youngest son and no assets came to him. And so he was really struggling in the business and the business was reversing. So here's what I learned at six. Whatever you have will be taken away from you. You're going to lose everything. So what I learned was under no circumstance ever become poor. And so what I had done was I had built businesses. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've done it six times now. I would buy a business. I would try and grow it. And I would either become a partner in a business. I would do whatever I could to build it. But here I was at 49 years of age. And my wife came to me and she said three words you are miserable. (laughs) She didn't say, I love you. She said, you are miserable. And frankly, the reason being is because I had this poverty mindset, which was, I will do everything in my power to have money. Now, money is a five-letter word. And what I was not doing, I was not focusing on value. I was focusing on money. And I had a business that was reversing. And I was not in the same position that my father was in, but I was $2 million in the hole. And I had a business partner that just went out with cancer. I had another business partner and embezzled $153,000. My bank called the line of credit and I was flat on
0: my ass. Excuse me. Can I say ass on you? You just did. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. Yes. The FCC is not going to intervene. The FCC is not coming after (laughs) Unleash the Podcast, (laughs) at least today. You never know. After
1: I'm here, they may show up. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, and what I had figured out was that I had spent my life I was afraid of losing something. I was playing not Uh to lose as opposed to playing to win. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. And that's why my wife, Allison, said, you're miserable. And so it took me two years to extricate myself from the business. And I did. I walked away. And everybody, here's the thing. I walked away with $7,500. $7,500 after about nine years of hard busting my tail kind of work. Yeah. And when I started Claris Consulting, I realized if I have this mindset, I promise you, I'll never build anything successful again. And so I then realized that's a poverty mindset. You always think you're going to lose. The glass is always half empty. And no matter what you do, it's never enough. So that's what I think. That's how I defer, define a
0: poverty mindset. Does that make sense? It's per. It's a great example. It, in fact, it might be the the best one I've ever heard. And I'm not saying. What well, did you say but, that again? Yeah. <laughs> Can I just hear you? <laughs> so listen. I'm first of all. I have another uh, two questions left for you. Yeah. I'm. Um, you're going to come back again. I'm going to make you promise that you're going to come back again because there's more things that you and I should mm-hmm. should share here. S- the penultimate question is this. Mm. What are those three recommendations? We're going to send people to, to read your article, but you have three recommendations for fostering the mindset of high performance during a worldwide pandemic, which we are still in. Share those and, and talk about each mm. one briefly.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to shift gears because I'm going to put a I'm going to make these more practical. Okay. The three things that people should do. They should love deeply, they should learn daily and they should live boldly. Now, here's what I mean by that. I think that what has happened is we have become so incredibly intellectual with regards to everything that's going on. We're in our heads. We're trying to make these plans, and we're trying to make sure that we can control things. And one of the things that we have done is with physical distancing is we have gotten detached from people. And I think that what you need to do is you need to fall in love with a dream or a hope or an aspiration. You need to fall in love with a customer. You need to fall in love with fall in love with the people that matter most to you and you need to remember doesn't matter how much money you got or anything like that when you're when you are buried six feet underground the only question that's going to be asked of you when you get to the pearly gates is did you make a difference in anyone's life right So my contention is love people that's number one learn something every single day that will make somebody's life a little bit better if you do that courageously with humility. Then what you do is you then live boldly and boldly is simply a courageousness to go and do something that may be a little uncomfortable that scares you so that you can then get better, become greater, more great tomorrow than you were today, better than you were yesterday, so that you can be in service of other people.
0: You know, you have been inspirational to so many people today. I'm just going to tell you, I know you've been inspirational to me. Thank you. I have one more question before we end this. And again, we're going to have you back because I know there's so many more things that we can talk about. My question for you is uh, around... Again, leadership. And and I I think a lot of people who are watching this or listening to have had success or successful leaders, they they can look and say, look, look what I've been able to accomplish. And yes, I agree with Mm. you and, and all of that. But how do people who are already successful, become even more successful?
1: That's a, that's a great question. Here's the first thing. You have to recognize that your prior success is not going to be a determinant of your future success because the world has changed. Everything that made you successful up <laughs> till this point, it, it doesn't matter. You mean anywhere. November 13th of
0: 2019 was a little bit different than just a
1: tad different? So if you recognize that the world has been disrupted, yeah. if you believe that business has been disrupted, then the, you can build on some successes, but you cannot rely on that success. So here's what you need to have. You need to have three words, courage, humility, and discipline. You need to have the courage to be able to say, what made me successful is not going to make me successful in the future. And you have to courageously say, what will I need to do differently in order for me to be a better leader, to serve people more and to make a bigger, have a bigger impact. That's a courageous act to just even ask that question. The second thing is, is that you have to be humble. You have to recognize that there's no one that has ever gotten better as a solo activity. There's no one in the last 40 years that has ever been to the Olympics and has been there without a coach. You need to get an outsider's perspective and you need to be disciplined. You need to find maybe two or three things, maybe four things, and you're going to say, these are the things that I will do every single day. Boutso said that your thoughts become your beliefs, your beliefs become your actions. I can't quote the whole thing. But if you just build a repeatable process and you focus on the process and master a process, and that's what I help people do is I help them understand this is the process you will need to get better. Here's the courage, here's the humility, and this is what you're gonna do on a daily basis. That's what's required to get better, those three things. And if you do them, in our practice, 94% of the people get better, 94.
0: Hugh, you're a rock star, man. You are, you are an absolute rock star. Thank you very much. Will you come back again? Can we, can we have you back Absolutely. again? So Absolutely. So listen, uh, somebody's saying, I got to read that article. I got to learn more about Hugh. How do people reach you?
1: www.clarisconsulting.net.
0: All right. Hey, thanks very much. So to everybody out there, you see, this is why you got to subscribe to Unleash the Podcast. Go to your favorite podcast place, subscribe. Join us here on Facebook uh, on Unleash the Podcast for Hugh Blaine right now. Again, Hugh, thank you very much. And to all of you out there, listen, uh, things are crazy out there. Please wear a mask, be healthy, be safe, and above all, be unleashed.